Hi, I'm Maggie. Hi, I'm Grace, and this is A Very Bookish Podcast. Hey guys, welcome back to episode 14. I can't believe it is this long we have been doing this podcast. It feels like maybe a month we've been doing this, maybe four episodes, but we are now on episode 14, and today we are going to be talking about the book The Shadows Between Us by Tracy. Can you help me with this name? Trisha. Trisha. I, sorry, I, I don't. I can't say her name, so I always say it wrong. It's like that thing where, like, you skim over a character's name that you can't pronounce, and it's just like, blah, blah, blah. yeah. Just um, her name. It's by Trisha Levenseller. Levenseller also was the author of Daughter of Pirate King mm-hmm. and Daughter of a Siren Queen. So yeah, a- um, we. I read this book about last week. Um, I read it because I had to stop reading Akasuf for book club. I was going to finish if I didn't stop reading it. So I literally read two other books before finishing Akasuf. But um, I really enjoyed this more than I did my other book that I read. Um, just because this is a true like Slytherin book. It's exactly what she says um in the dedication is i'm gonna just read it real quick before we start getting into this because this dedication is like my one of my all-time favorite dedications and um it says for becky i can't think of anyone more deserving of this slytherin romance um thanks for reading it first and then it says it's cool not growing old i like being the eternal stud damon salvatore Vampire Diaries, season one, episode four. The fact that she brought in like pop culture into her dedication really solidified it for me. Like I read that and I was like, oh, it's going to be this type of book. I was really excited. Yeah, I when I read the dedication, I kind of laughed at myself a little bit because I'm just like, like, okay, there are two types of girls out there. And there are the girls who shift um Delena yeah and those who shipped Delena like if you shipped if you loved Damien you're definitely like top tier girl and if you shipped Stefan it's like <laughs> I always found <laughs> Stefan annoying I always found Stefan annoying um you know what's funny with that real quick um my brother once he came up to me he told me um that a girl he was talking to told asked him like mentioned vampire diaries and he asked because of me he knows it he asked me like he asked her who she liked better Stefan or Damien and the girl said Stefan and as soon as he said that to me I was like um and he's just like why what does that mean and I'm just like uh I don't really know exactly what it means, but it's just like a different vibe. They're, they're the people who like the like friends to lovers, the more of the like. They're the softies. The, they're like they're the traditional relationship people who like to just have an easy, fast paced whirlwind romance. I don't know. I mean, that's me too, but I still appreciate Damon. I don't know. I mean, I like didn't like Stefan from like like midway season one. I was just like, this is I knew he wasn't gonna be the first. I knew he wasn't gonna end up 
with Elena because it was too fast that they like fell in love. I was like, there's gonna be some um, instant love. Yeah, the instant love, instant attraction. Whereas I kind of liked because Damon. I like how we're going off topic, but it's fine. But um, Damon is definitely more of a slow burn romance because she has feelings for him but they are on the back burner because Stefan is the one that's the pot is boiling for him right now and then Damon eventually comes up and becomes her main love interest but I think she like always had feelings for Damon but she's always had to put it on the back burner because of Stefan always did it's not he's more of like the appetizer where while Damon is the main course it takes a lot more prep time yeah um so back to the book um fair warning ahead for any listeners if you haven't read the shadows between us turn back now this is a full spoiler episode if you haven't read it now go ahead and read it it's a great book it's a standalone very fast paced very easy i think i gave it a four star review you can i think my review is up on goodreads for that um if you want to go check it out I put my review up on Instagram um, under, if you go to my Instagram, um, you just find the shadows between us photo. My review is right in that caption. It's the same as my Goodreads. Um, I gave it a 3.5 out of five. And here's my reasoning. I loved the book. I loved it, but I had to dock 0.5 stars because it was so slow, because it was so fast and such a short book. I was, I needed a longer (laughs) book. And that's why I had to, I had to give it a 3.5 because I needed a longer book and I felt like she really could have pulled she it off. Stre- she could have stretched this out to at least a duology. She could have put this as a duology. She could have she could have made this like a f- easy like 500 page book and it would have still been amazing because mm-hmm. I feel like I needed more scenes between it was just, it was just so good. It was it was, so it was good that it just yeah. you wanted to be in it. it you but, were she left you wanting more yes yes you Uh, wanted more and you wanted more of the tension between the two main well we all know the two main characters now which is how do you say their names i'll say them in a little bit but yeah spoilers starting now yes Um, so we have Callias, who's the shadow king and we have alessandra 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 so um, my first tab, I, I did tabbing. I started doing annotations for books for the podcast. I did not do for our next one. I have not done annotations because I actually enjoy the book. And I want to like, what? What's our next one? We Hunt the Flame is going to be the next one. Oh, that's right. Look at yeah. me not knowing what book I have to read. <laughs> um, but so I had annotations for this. And my like key is like, moments I loved, quotes I loved, and I, oop, moments, and then like metaphor and foreshadowing. And then I also have like a food description one because the descriptions of food in this book was very interesting. I didn't, when somebody, I posted on the um, Instagram, like what I should do one of them. And somebody said food. And I was like, okay, I didn't do it at first. And then I saw the first food description. I was like, oh, this is why. And so I started doing it then, but I, Starting with the first page, everybody who's probably read this has read that first sentence, which is, they've never found the body of the first and only boy who broke my heart. And can I just say, way to start off a book strong. I mean, 
That's just gonna, let alone, that, that's just gonna make you a double take. The one-liners in this book, good, like, good, like, even, like, the next page over, it's like, men do, do not keep the exploits of the bedroom to themselves. Like, really, you kind of understand Alessandra as a character, and, like, she's not gonna take shit from other people. She's not going to put herself into some kind of box of what a woman should be. She's gonna live her life how she wants to. And yes, maybe killing a person isn't the best option or the best thing to do. One, it's fictional, but two, she's a Slytherin. This is a classic Slytherin person where they want people to fear them. They want people to, like, because Alessandra does kind of want people to, like, she wants that, what is that called? Um... I'm trying to think of why she agreed to like she she's wanted the very, notoriety yeah she's very ambitious ambitious ambition that's what i was looking for she's a slytherin you should know that yeah you're a slytherin you should know this well because i'm like trying to think of what was happening so kind of in the beginning of the book like the first three chapters we see alessandra like how she treats her dad too is a little off-putting but also i would understand like if like living in that time when dads tried to control their daughters and she's like not having it but we see that she goes to this um not coming of age but uh introduction ball where the the king meets eligible bachelorettes i guess you could call them um to pick a wife and alessandra goes and contrary to the norm of the people waiting in line she decides to not get even get in line which I loved the fact that she was like, no, we're not going to follow the standards. We're not going to get in line and we're not going to do what he wants. We're going to do what I want. And we're going to make him see that I don't want to do. I don't want to follow the norm. She really yeah. puts herself out of the box in mm -hmm. making going to dance first and talking with other people and not even looking at him. She has this like way of thinking of just like thinking two moves ahead. And um, she does it in such a way that most people, she knows how men will react right off the bat. She knows how men expect other women to act because of how they have treated her sister and have treated other women around her. And she knows that she was meant for more and she, decides like I'm not gonna go crawl to him I don't need to do that because every other girl does that and it's not it's very different from the like I'm different than other girls type of trope where it's just like she is different from other girls but she's different in a way of just like I don't care I yeah. know that I need to marry somebody but I want power that's what I want it, it's she's very, she's very different from like other uh, protagonists and other books of like you know these women who like become badasses and c become killers and become fighters and all of these things where she already has that mentality as the book starts okay go ahead yeah no um i definitely agree she it's, it's that ambition she's looking for ambition that's driving her she alone herself she's that person you have to do in order to get things done you have to do it yourself person so when she like she said a funny quote to her father and it was it was when he was talking about going to like seduce the king and she's like have you ever seduced a man before like she knows what she's doing like she's had 
multiple relationships with other men as we've seen and she's blackmailed them into being silent like the amount of badassery in this book where she holds these men like holds their like she's like i will protect myself and by protecting myself i will get shit on these guys so that they cannot ruin my reputation but she's like i'll have my fun what's what's his name the guy that she sleeps with first hector the first her first love hector no um i don't remember the first guy she slept with he comes back though oh the lease guy i know who you're talking about i'll have to find it in the book but it's the one who becomes yeah yeah, he tries to reveal that they've slept together to the king he yeah so at the beginning of the book before like the ball and everything um she's sleeping with this guy and then like he wants to take it to the next level and he's just like here is this pretty necklace he gives her a piece of jewelry I, i can't remember which what it is and and basically ends up trying to propose to her and she's just like look this has been fun but i think we need to end it here myron 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 thank you yeah. and so then she like has this like he gets mad and you know that little that little thing the jealousy of like you're already mine the idea that him sleeping with her means that she's his yeah that, like he he's just like but i took your maidenhood and then she's just like ah no you did it it." and i love how she like knocks men down a couple pegs to check them because it's just like no that's not how you talk to me and she does this so many times throughout the book that it's just like it's not like a one-off where she's like all of a sudden she's confident and then she starts doing it she's confident from the beginning yeah she she's confident from the beginning and she does it consistently to the point where she is quick off the bat, quick. And she basically like hides, tells him like, I I know that you spent your father's fortune so you won't tell anybody unless you want to like gain his wrath. And then he ends up walking away and- Come back later. Ball, yeah, he comes back later in the book. Um, and but- then through the ball, she still has that mentality of like, I'm more than you. You are not more than me. Yeah, she definitely, like, she definitely thinks she's above the men. And she is. Honestly, she's smarter than these men. And especially when it comes to getting the attention of the king. Because the king, of course, is going to sit there and be like, oh, all of these ladies are going to come to me. I'm not going to give a shit about them. I'm just going to let them come. I'm not even going to look at them. I don't care. Then there's a woman he doesn't know, walks in, doesn't even look at him. That, I think, is the smartest move where she's like, do not make eye contact like don't look at him because then that gives him the power if you look at him that gives him the power she's all about this power dynamic with her where she wants to marry the king so she can kill him and become queen to gain all of that power mm-hmm. and it was a little annoying because she always kept talking about that where she was like i'm gonna kill him and get all of his power it was i kind of was annoyed at that i was like okay i know like i know sweetheart I'm reading your story, but I also understand why, because she is this power-hungry person. Yeah, like, she's the definitely, like, gotta keep my eye on the ball, gotta keep my eye on the ball, mm-hmm. refocusing, refocusing. I she think it also it. is having to do with that refocusing of, like, trying to, like, make sure she stays on track because she does sway, mm-hmm. um, and so we kind of see her at the ball, and the king finally comes up to her and is, like, asks her to dance, and they don't even touch they don't even touch okay so like 
<laughs> going fast in this. The way that this book, like, okay, people talk about, I haven't read Six of Crows yet, but uh, people talk about like Kaz and, and Inej's chemistry and whatever, and how like a little touch that they ever do. I think it's like a brush on the back of the hands or something. I don't remember what it was, but they said that it was so intense because it was so built up. And this is the type of book because like the Shadow King, that's what he's called at first before you find out his name. The Shadow King doesn't want anyone to touch him. You must remain six feet apart. This is like COVID era type of with him. You cannot come near him. He does not let anybody touch him. You will die if you do. Yes, it's like treason if you do. So the fact that he came up to her and he tells her to dance and she knew right then, as soon as he came up to her, she knew, I got it, I got it. And they start dancing and it's like, they're standing apart and she's following his lead without even touching him, without even feeling him. And he does the, like this thing to test her like steps in a different direction and she follows the movement and he kind of like smirks a little bit and he like she passed some kind of test and then after the dance bows and then walks away and then she's just like what like she has this mentality of just like I had it I had it right there and then he just walks away and the tension that they built up during that dance was immaculate and it wasn't even close to what we get throughout the rest of the book yeah no especially when she's like left there and she's just like i fucked it up she was like fuck i like messed up but then we see like as they're leaving like he ends the ball right there and so as they're leaving he has somebody ask her to stay in court and i was like oh oh and her dad was like gonna come with her and she's like no 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 you're gonna stay at home i'm gonna go seduce the king and i'm gonna go kill the king and you're just like oh you really see that this is definitely she is a very independent woman mm -hmm. this is the like we always hear like books talking about women are being independent and stuff she is the epitome of independence and ambition and power hungry she's mm -hmm. a power hungry person yeah. And you don't, she's not a good person. She's not a good person. You don't expect her to be a good person. Like you're going into this book knowing that she's a really bad person. She may not be evil, but she's not a good person. She's truly a morally great book. I mean, book character. And this is a truly morally great book. Like it's right there. Like you think, okay, morally great, morally great character here, morally great character there. This book has two main characters that are truly morally great. And it's like perfectly done because you don't ever expect them to do things nice at all. And it's just like, wow, amazing. Yeah, no, I, like we see this as like, we see her now living in the, court she's living with a court she's like the newest member to come to court too so other people have been there and she's the newest person and we see her starting to develop relationships with other members of the court we have the two i love the fact that when they have tea the next day she goes out and everybody the council comes up to her 
and um they're like oh you don't have anybody here she literally walks up to these two random girls sits down and talks with them with the most up the utmost confidence that anybody could have and it's just like you feel like a bad bitch reading it you're like yes like and like the amount of the like instant friendship that they have too because they're just like oh this new girl will just accept her in like there's not that like we don't see that tension there and i glad we don't see that tension there because she definitely needs somebody to fall back on when anything happens um the names of the girl was were Ra Rhoda R-H-O-D-A Rhoda and I'm trying to find her other name yeah uh I don't have my book Hesta Hesta Hestia 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 Um, and Rhoda and one of them is a widow and the other one is a new at court so they're they bond basically over how she snared the king yeah attention and they did it in such a way that was like more of like wow like kudos to you because they were not looking towards the king they were looking elsewhere and um i think that that was really key in her finding a place and i gotta say like the fact that like her fashion sense is so good like yeah, we get like, you know, Selena and Throne of Glass who likes the finer things and likes dresses and things like that and other books where it has that. But like this girl will sew her own dress. Dedicated. Anything. She'll buy patterns. She'll out of the... She'll draw it herself. That's I think that's part of the ambition is she wants to look the part. So she has that drive to and it's it's part of her passion too is she wants to look beautiful she wants to create new designs she wants to be able to show off her body yeah and she remind remind me if i'm wrong because it it has been a while since i've read this book um she does her dresses with like pants down the front Mm -hmm. and like full skirt in the back so if you think of it like um it's like a high low with pants underneath but the high is very high in the front and it's um, a- if you think about cinderella the live action with lady tremaine's dress like lady tremaine's dress in the front is a very like um fitted bodycon dress all the way down to her feet and then like a full skirt over that in the back um but Alessandra's dresses are pants in the front and you don't really see that in this type of fashion era because everybody's like full petticoats and big gowns with the hoop skirts underneath and Alessandra does not do that she sets herself apart not only with how she carries herself but also with her fashion sense and how she makes her dresses reminder at the first ball she wore all black while everybody else wore green and the next day everybody else wore green and she wore I think lavender purple mm-hmm. yeah like literally every time she goes to like i guess their version of promenade where like they walk around or out in the gardens or whatever um the day after the, everyone copies an element of what she wore whether it's the color whether it's the style 
whatever it is. And um, she has to consistently be upkeeping and staying on trend because she is a trendsetter. And I love that for her. Um, but yeah, then also this is where we meet the boys. This is where we meet the cousin. Yes. And his two friends. Yeah, so we meet the cousin. His name is, I always had a hard time pronouncing this, but I love that she's immediately attracted to him, but she's like, no, I am not going to let anything happen between us because I have my eyes set on the king. But she admits that she's attracted to him because it's definitely like a, a, a physical thing. And she's like, oh, he's very attractive. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't mind having a dalliance with him, but in the long run, it's not going to happen, which yeah. I liked. Um, it's Le- Leandros? Leandros. Leandros. L-E-L-E-A-N-D-R-O-S. Leandros. That's what I thought it was, and then I was like, Leandros? Leandros. Um, but yes, Leandros is the cousin of the um king. shadow king mm-hmm. and the the way that this kind of a little bit into the story about the shadow king is that his family was murdered on one night due to like the uh, a siege on the castle due to some traitor and since then he has distanced himself from literally every person in his family from his court he, he started that whole distance thing where nobody could come close to him because of the power that he holds. He doesn't want anyone close to him. We'll get to why later on. Um, and so Leandros and him used to be friends when they were growing up. And then that thing happened and he pushed everybody away. And so Leandros is telling Alessandra all of this about like how they used to be. And so she takes it upon herself to think, I can use this. I can use this information. I can use this relationship and use him to gain access to other things. And then we also meet his two friends, which is... Well, we don't meet them at the tea party. We meet them at a later... Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. I'm skipping ahead. We don't Um... meet them yet. Um, But at this tea party, we see that she begins... She has... She starts this friendship with Leandros and... um, Rhonda, Rhonda, Rhoda, Rhoda. Why did I say Rhonda? Because it's like Rhonda. It's basically spelled Rhonda without the N, but Rhoda and Hestia. Um, What do you think of the names in this book? I really liked... They're very um, different. (laughs) I don't know if there's any... Because they're not like super high fantasy where they're like these old, um, you know, made up names. These names... um, seem to have like a latin and greek root does that make sense oh that doesn't make sense but it sounds yeah no i know what you mean like that's just the feel of it i could be completely wrong i mean yeah um the best subject but you know yeah but we also see her going to start hanging out with people with um the ladies of the court we see them going into the queen's um not summoning room, but like the place where the queen would hang out with all of her ladies in waiting. Um, Callias had it open. It's Callias, right? Yeah, Callias. Yes. Had it open for the ladies of the court to use because they're all still stuck at court. 
because he has sanctioned them to stay there and nobody can leave. And everyone who's at court is people who were there the night that his family was murdered. So they're yeah. basically on lockdown um, and cannot leave. Mm-hmm. So for a while now, we see her days um, of kind of going to parties because um, the- Has she talked with him yet? I She talked with him at the tea party. Um, after right before she meets every all the ladies and stuff she has a quick conversation with them with him but i didn't think there was much to it um it was more of a like because that's when his dog ran to her and he like threw that dog is like such a busybody yes but i did think it was cute that he threw his ball at her so that his dog would jump on her and she didn't react like how he expect he wanted to gauge her reaction from it and i thought that was very interesting because he's like i don't want a woman who is gonna scream and run away from a dog yeah um that scene was cute it was cute and i think it was very vital to see like the first glimpse into how he thinks because um, like we know Alessandra is very like conniving and uh, like a quick thinker and she's always like trying to advance forward and Callias is more of like testing the waters with people and seeing how things go and testing people to see what they will do he's very much like a people watcher in that sense and the fact that he did that to gate her reaction and the fact that she knew right away that that's what he did um kind of opens the door a little bit to how they interact and i thought it was a cute meeting or first conversation yeah we see them after like as the days pass on we see them starting to have dinner and lunch together and then this is i think their first dinner is where he introduces the idea of them becoming like faking relationship which that's my favorite trope is the fake relationship trope because it's perfect for any setting you could have a fantasy one which is like a fake marriage like engagement like the duke and i that tv series is a fake um, this time period it feels very much like victorian regency era because of that courting um type of mannerism and the dresses and things like that um but yeah like he brings up the idea of like can you pretend like pretend to court pretend that i'm courting you because i'm trying to figure out who killed my parents yeah he lays it on her with all of this but then and because she clearly wants he he asks her right he asks her what she wants most Mm -hmm. and she says um She says something where it's like, I like, um, I want exposure or something like that. Yeah, she was like, I want the notoriety. Yes. Because she'd be asked once they, because they announce their engagement the next day at breakfast. Um, and he has, he, he starts having her like sit next to him at breakfast and nobody else does, which, oof. Um, Literally, there are two seats between him and anyone else. And then because he, the five foot distance and he has her sit right next to him 
Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, oh, yeah. but it's 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 not like an it's it's so they get in this relationship because one she wants the notoriety and it would allow her to network it's a very like marketing technique of networking and going to lavish parties and stuff because if it doesn't turn out she can find somebody she'll have the notoriety while it may have been short-lived but she does plan to seduce him where he thinks that it's not gonna last which i think was very funny because he's doing short term and she's like no honey no this is long term she already had him snagged the moment she didn't walk up to the dais and talk to him she Mm -hmm. had the that moment when she didn't look at him at the first ball and she backed him he says that too Mm -hmm. he he mentions that like that she was the only one to chase after him and didn't want him and he knew that she was different and then he's like i'll give you a notoriety i'll give you that access to other people so you can find another suitor when this is done but i need you to pretend to be my fiance so that the court um not the court but the advisors back off of me for the meantime and so they pretend to have this relationship and it's more of like like you said just lunches and he sends her gifts now once they get engaged um once they are betrothed engaged or whatever he starts sending her gifts and she and she accepts them and it's like in public too so he sends her her gifts when she's in the queen's um sitting room um that's what it's called the sitting room um that's when he starts getting her gifts so that everybody can see that he's doting on her but then the problem arises is yes he gives her all these gifts but he never goes anywhere with her so she goes to all these parties and everybody's expecting her to take the cake but she's taking Myron instead because Myron is now blackmailing her because her father his father died so he his brother's taking over and he won't get in trouble as in as much trouble as he would have if his father had known he lost family so we see meanwhile she's like trying to put up this facade she's a back burner she's also thinking about a way to get back over Myron because she does not like being pressured and because she has to drag him along he embarrasses her often like he you know and they have that thing of like you can't have like three dances in a row he tries to do three dances in a row he tries to sabotage her relationship with the king very subtly but she catches it and um we also have the boys have been introduced to her um i know one of them is Oren. i forgot the other one's name i have to find it again um it was Oren and I'll figure it out, but Oren, they were childhood friends of Callias. Callias. I keep thinking Kelias, but that's not it. And let me just speak up real quick on the rep in this book. It's done so subtly and so smoothly that it's like not all up in your face. And and let me explain a little bit more about that because it's just like certain books when they have POC rep or um, LGBTQ rep, it's very like, they're gay, they're black, they're this, they're that. And it's not done in like a kind of like, they're just living. And it's very different from like tokenism. 
like tokenism is very like upfront in your face kind of rep. Whereas the way that this book does rep is just very subtly, like it describes them and then it moves on and gives the character something else that you remember them by. Not only their color or their sexuality, but more than that. Because um, Rhoda, she's really dark-skinned. Right? Yeah. Yeah, Rhoda's dark-skinned. And then Petros, um, P-E-T-R-O-S, Petros, he is gay. Because she mentions how he is always dancing with male, which I loved that being gay in this world isn't a bad thing. Like, yeah. they actively, prom- like, they don't actively, pro- like, they don't really act- actively promote it, but it's, like, it's not even, like, an issue that they have to actively promote it. It's just a, a thing. thing. Yeah. Which- it's very, like, in the way that the world just works. It's just there. It's there and that's it. And I'd rather books do that than to throw it in my face like tokenism it's more of like a I definitely like that it's not the whole story like they don't have to make it all like that's why when there are some books written by white authors where they focus so much on either them being gay or them being b b i p o c like and I'm just like dude that makes it so much worse. Like you're not, it, it's not adding value to the character anymore. You're just pushing it onto the character to meet a quota. Mm-hmm. And she does it beautifully where you, you read it and you're like, oh, okay, this is how they look. And you continue on with the character. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not like that's the only reason they're in the book kind of thing. Yep, exactly. And I just gotta say that that's like the best thing. I, that's something that I really appreciated from this book. Um, and they were characters that came up often, you know, they, they were, were the main characters. That, yeah. That well, they had moments where they were giving into the plot. They helped move the plot forward. Yes. Like any other main character does, but they weren't moving the plot forward because of their sacrifice of their death or because they did something outlandish they did it as genuine characters and friends of alessandra which is so much better yeah um and like i love that so it happens pretty fast like at at page 116 is when she finally solves her Myron problem like 116 like she's this smart where she figured out easily um Oren uh one of the friends is betrothed and so we'll kind of recap on how she gets out of this Myron situation so Oren she agrees to find a way to end Oren's relationship um if he will give her 5,000 of their currency and of course he agrees because he doesn't like his betrothed he finds her very clingy very um not what he would want and so we see her borrow the money from Oren, and then she oh, really quickly um to help out with this that 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 explanation um because Callias doesn't go with her many places because he doesn't you know he only gives her gifts people start questioning like whether she's being really courted by him and one lord there i can't remember his name is very taken with her and always like trying to flirt with her always trying to like 
like swoo her swoo, what no no, no. woo her e-l-i-d-a-s elidas elid elid there's a spell in his name e-l-i-d-a-s elidas elidas we'll just call him elidas lord elidas 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 sounds better elidas um he elidas elidas i think it's elidas i he was he's been trying to court her trying to get he actually like got with her father and they were trying to get him betrothed her her father even came up and it's just like oh I, i secured you uh uh proposal already and she's just like what are you doing here like no i'm being courted by the king and then her dad is just like it's been weeks i hear that he only he doesn't go with you anywhere he's just uh giving you gifts he's not really courting you this is embarrassing for us let's just go back home i already secured your proposal and she's like no that is not what's going on. And then she even confronts Callias about this. He's just like, look what you're doing. You're not actively courting me. You're not whispering sweet nothings into my the ear. The council doesn't even believe it. Like, yeah. our, like nobody is actually believing it. Even though he thinks he's doing enough, he's yeah. not really, he is literally just eating with her in private and has her, and then has him sit her sit next to him. But nobody sees their relationship like she like told story okay we're getting off track but she told stories and then he got mad at her remember because people a lot people yeah yeah yes they said they uh he kissed her hand and she told people that it was gloved but other people were saying that he kissed her hand when she was ungloved and the way the way that he burst into the room after that so like she's sitting down and they're asking her these things she's like oh yeah he kisses my hand and remember he cannot touch anybody it's like treason but you know she's his fiance so they would probably assume right so then that night he bursts into her room and he's just like did you tell them that i kissed your hand and then she explains and then she gets mad at him and then blows up and says like you're not doing anything i'm trying I'm trying to sell this act and you're not doing a good job helping him. Like she catches herself in a moment after like fumbling over the explanation. She's just like, hold up, hold up. Who are you yelling at? And then she kind of goes at him. Checks him. Yeah. She's like, no, you cannot, you cannot be mad at me for having to exaggerate things that happen because you are doing the bare minimum. Mm-hmm. not what, even no, he's not even doing the bare minimum he's not even meeting the threshold of what courting could be and she's called he's causing all those problems so leading back to what i was saying how she gets out of her myron situation is we have myron who's blackmailing her into bringing him to all of these events that she goes to because now that she's courting being courted by the king people want her to come to their events for that notoriety that she's been looking for mm-hmm. and so she does she borrows from Oren 5,000 of their currency. And using that 5,000, she buys up all of Myron's debt. So all of his debt now belongs to her. She has the power to put him in jail for not paying his debts and to collect on those debts. And so she tells him, you need to leave. Do not tell anybody we have been anything more. We have d- you have not, you are not going to talk to me ever again. We we weren't even friends. Like, I don't know you anymore. And she uses this debt that I 
you owe me now. Mm -hmm. I own you mm -hmm. and he leaves. And so, and then how to pay back Orinth is to get away, get him away from his fiance mm -hmm. and her problem with Elitus, Lord Elitus, Elitus, um, is to make it look like Lord Elitus has a thing for, um, Orin's fiance. I can't remember her name. And so Petros forges a letter with Lord Elitus signature. And I love how she's using both of the boys in this plan. Mm -hmm. and forges a let a love letter sends it to her to meet in her room and then orant he he's just like oh the plan worked like she says she's turning in early and she goes and he goes she, with his father to check up on his um fiance, fiance. who is supposedly sick and lord Elitus is in the room with flowers. Yeah, because got in there because like um, um, Alessandra asked him to come with her to help give her flowers because or help carrying flowers for her to apologize to um the fiance for Alessandra to apologize for her and then he goes in and she's like oh wait I forgot something goes around the corner here comes Orant and his dad and his dad sees and his dad is outraged that there's another man in her room and doesn't even stop to ask he just breaks the engagement there and they leave um and so that's how she repays Oren back is he was he hated being in this relationship so much that he actually like and then i think Oren gets with no 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 he doesn't he doesn't no i don't know why i thought that. he doesn't want to be with anybody right now yeah he doesn't want to be um and so we see that this is how she finally um like she gets rid of a lot of loose ends yeah and, and so she, like the, a lot of minor scheming amongst the bigger schemes. yeah so the next loose end that she has to have is when she, the first line was she killed her first love hector and she buried him out in the woods um, but now Hector's father, three years later, is looking for his son. And they come asking her father, because there had been whispers about her and Hector um, being together. And her sister admits to the like police force for them, the detective, that Alessandra and Hector had relations and they knew each other. And probably that Alessandra was the last, like, I hate her sister that her alice is, mm. like her sisters is dumb like ugh. but and so they come knocking they've like sent her father and her sister have sent her letters about them coming to ask about hector and she's like freaking out she's like fuck like what do i do and so we see the scene where they come to the palace they ta talk to her and she is like fumbling like she's like fuck 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 they're in the library her the king hector's dad and the detective and other people are in there and she lies her ass off. she tries lying her ass off saying no i didn't kill him i have no idea who we didn't know like i knew him yes but no i didn't do anything and so Callias just getting angry has him sent away um for even daring to think that she would do it and then he turns around and just laughs at her in the face because he knew she killed him and he was enjoying watching her lie and he just starts laughing at her and she's, and she's freaking out she's just like 
oh, he's going to be mad at me. He's going to think I'm a, uh, a terrible monster, which she is. And she knows she is, but then it's going to ruin everything. And she's freaking out. And he just starts laughing. And she's just like, what's wrong with you? And he's just like, you did do it, didn't you? And she's just like, what? And then like, he literally is just like, I can't believe you did it. So that's what happened. That's what it's been. And he doesn't judge her. He doesn't get mad at her. He doesn't nothing. He just understands. And it's just like, okay. And then moves on. And it's just like, I need a man like that. They're Slytherins. (laughs) It's the ultimate. They are bad people. This is not like a hero's journey. Like they even talk about like if they have the red riding hood, the um Robin Hood under theme of like the character stealing from the rich and giving back to the poor and they're that's like a very it's a minor subplot that I don't even remember if I think it was Lord Elidas who was actually the uh, Robin Hood guy and she found out by him um, go, when they went into the room to forge the signature thing. Yeah, and they hold it. They put him in jail when they found him in Oren's fiance's uh, okay. room. They put him in jail and stuff. The king is like dealing with this like bandit who's stealing the money. Yeah. And he talks with her like during his dinners, he talks with her. Yeah. About this. And, and she tells him what to do. Quick side note when they have these little dinners, it's like one on one and it's very intimate and they talk and they become friends throughout this. Like, I mean, he even. Uh, one cute thing that they do like this is completely off topic of like the robin hood thing but i'm gonna get back to that it's just like that they eat the first time that they have dinner together in the library um they have the dinner and then he brings it to them and sends the servants away and he sits back to watch her and she no hesitation goes straight for the chocolate cake first dessert first always for them always always and he laughs at this and he's just like I'm glad to like find someone like me and they always start dinner with dessert first and it's become like a thing and you see their friendship building and that's really what it is it's like a friendship and understanding between them and like during these talks like he unloads like some things of politics that are bothering him things about the advisors that are bothering him the politics that are bothering him and through that she finds out about this problem with robin hood the robin the 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 bandit and then through her um bargain with orinth she finds out that it's him and then schemes for the for lord elidas elitist to be taken away and then Calais appreciates this appreciates that she's not only a sit back kind of girl like she will get in there get her hands yeah. dirty make bargains make it happen and this whole time she's still thinking about killing him and she's doing this because she's preparing to become queen she's preparing herself this is her whole thing is El- elitist uh Calais thinks she's like helping him because like they're friends and stuff but she's like like yeah we're friends but i need to start practicing for when i'm queen i need to start learning what to do i need to she tries to even sit in on meetings and stuff and the council's like hell no but she's just like i will do it and finally uh Calais does let her sit in on meetings but we we see this where they start to become friends actually and we see where they he takes like, her 
he even listens to her and listens to her advice. And during that council meeting, he even asked her, like, what do you think we should do? And then did what she planned out to do. I forgot what it was that they were talking about, but he listened to her and that shows like their partnership. And it even showed the advisors that they work together and they work together well. They can't yeah. him anymore. Um, and like, we see that like they go on an adventure together to find out who is trying to, who killed his parents and they go to like the tavern and stuff. That scene was so good where they, she faked <laughs> being a prostitute and he like faked hiring her and they were like, cuddling in the corner not really touching because yeah. they had gloves on so they can't touch because the shadow king true to his name he has like um these azrael kind of powers of like shadows coming around him or him never feeling like he's actually there he's his shadows make him like transparent like he can move through things he's able yeah. to walk through walls and stuff because of his shadow power and he cannot touch anybody because the moment that he touches someone's skin to skin, he will forever be solid in the the presence of them. Presence of them. So that's why he does not touch anybody and he won't touch her because every time she's around, he will be solid. And that gives him access to threats. And so when they go to like figure out who they go undercover basically he has this wig on and she's like dressed up like this finds her way into the to the whorehouse basically um through the back way through the dishes the the madam like is just like okay go on the floor and start pouring around these drinks and then like this guy tries to like come at her and then he just like pulls her because like he was looking she was looking for him and he pulls her down into his lap and then he's just like, oh, she's spoken for, for the night. And I gotta say, that made me, oh, I was like, yes, Claudius. <laughs> there are very, like this this book is, a lot of things are happening, okay? So many subplots are going on, but the fact that he, he has this willingness to do these things and throughout the entire night, he's like always massaging her and touching her to make it look like they're putting on a show and she's feeling all these things. And she's just like, dang, you know, and he's gloved hands and everything. And he's making sure not to touch her. And this girl comes by another barmaid comes by and spills drink almost on them and he like pushes her out of the way and they think for a moment that they touched and they they freak out really quickly because people are still trying to kill him and then she's like oh my gosh check quick can you try try to move and then he does he's like oh, it's okay I didn't touch you and he's fine but right then they knew that something was up and so they left they escaped into the night um and we see this like they they start to they have a ball she um he gives her he gives her the power to he's starting to fall for her so he gives her that power to sorry my stomach just rumbled um he gives her the power i don't know if you heard that or not but i could hear it loudly i have i've worked till 3 a.m so like staying up late is, 
I'm gonna eat gummy worms or gummy bears or whatever gummies <laughs> we have at work. But um, we see him start to give her that little power and she loves it. So she, they have a ball um, and she's the one to plan everything. And she does it in as, and like the theme of the ball is the queen's garden. And so everybody dresses up as like um, flowers. flowers and stuff. And she has this beautiful, like, yellow flower and she's like working on it every single day she like does it all herself which i can admire she does her outfits herself and she knows how to style herself too which she like even tells hestia like because hestia is copying her a lot throughout this and she tells hestia like you need to stop trying to be me and I will pull up the quote right now because it was under the quote that I put for um, my Instagram post. But it's, you don't want to catch a man who wants me. You want to catch a man who wants you. Mm -hmm. And I think that's so important because we all seem to find this idea in modern, in our world as well as like, you always want the man who wants the other girl. And you're always wanting like, why can't he choose me? But then it's like, you don't want somebody who wants somebody else. You want somebody who wants you. Mm -hmm. Like you want to catch their attention. You want somebody who wants you for being you. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's a very, it's a very women empowering book as well for YA readers to be like, hey, like, we don't have to be in this box for men. Like men should be bound to us is basically what Alessandra would say. Mm -hmm. And that anybody can be manipulated even like women and it's about keeping your head above water and like being sure of yourself and knowing what you want and going after it mm -hmm. and they do that so great like um Callias admires that about Alessandra and that's where he really starts falling back in love with her is like that he sees the same ambition in himself in her and the same willingness to be a good ruler good in the sense of not being a good person but a good ruler as in where their kingdom would thrive um and he admires that so much and that's what really draws him to her is all of these things that we admire in alessandra as readers he sees that and he falls in love with her that way and little by little you see her falling in love with him too and that's why she has to keep keeping herself on track like yeah. i'm here to kill him i'm here to kill him yeah. but and we i'm here see to her kill him, but we even see her take the step of putting poison in her closet so that she's ready because he's now after they had that after they had the attack um in the gardens they had an attack in the gardens and she stepped in in front of him and was like no i she she had this idea like no i'm the only one who gets to kill him but she's really protecting him after he got um shot with a gun which i was thinking it's interesting that they had guns like they had actual yeah. working guns at this time and i was like this is a very like modern fantasy but also yeah that's why era. i feel like it's more of like a regency era yeah regency or victorian um, victorian would be more steampunk if it that's had true. guns regency that's had true. yeah that's true so it is yeah regency i guess but um so he moves her into the queen's suites which are directly right connected there's a connection she, yeah he has like uh, let's go back to the garden scene real quick they're walking in the gardens and then the gun goes off and shoots him and she 
goes over him to protect him because he was solid in the moment that they were walking. And then like she protects him with her body and like the guards come and everybody and I don't remember if they apprehend the guy who shot her. Um yeah, they yeah, because she remember she stabs him. Oh, that's right. She stabs, she stabs him. Yeah. Like she doesn't just cover his body. She gets up and bites back. Gosh, why did she I has a dagger with her all the time? She has her dagger with her. The same one that she killed Hector with, she always has somewhere on her body. And so she used that to protect Hector. And in out of respect for her and thanking her, he puts her in the queen suite. And we see this development where they're starting to grow like closer. And like after that, she's like trying to go to bed and stuff and she can't. And she goes to him and she's like, I can't sleep. And then he goes and like talks to her and stuff. And I think that was like a crucial thing. And then we see the library scene where he gets. um... He the library scene where he gets drunk. (sighs) Drunk Elias. Man. It's like, it reminds me a little bit of a drunk Cardin. Yeah. Yeah, that's how you could explain it, is drunk Cardin. Clyde's is kind of like a Cardin, honestly. Yeah. Without the drinking. Without the drinking. Cardin without drinking. Moody. Arrogant. Because he's still arrogant. But a softy for the one girl. For that one girl. But he became a softy for her after a little bit of time. Yeah, after a bit of time. But um, we also... Um, they have fun together. They do. They have they fun together. together. They sneak around. Like, he does this one thing where, like, she needed she needed the letters for um, from someone's desk, I think, or something. He likes her scheming. He likes to scheme. Where, and, when they go to get the, um, the, the seal for Lord Elidas, Elidas, he he like shadows her because he can shadow with her like bring her into the room and that's when she gets all the stuff and he like helps her with her schemes like these are not good people they were like sneaking into other people's rooms killing people like he kills somebody in front of her and like he he thinks that she'll turn away and then yeah i think that's why he laughed when he realized that like she had killed somebody he laughed his ass off because he was like all he was so worried about him like killing people around her when she's a murderess. Yeah, just like you've killed people. That's yeah. so funny. Yeah. He's yeah. like, why was I even worrying about this? But and it's like that um that video with Paul Rudd at the Hot Wings interview. And he's just like, Look at us. Who'd think we would be here? Look at us. Just look at us. I'm like, yeah, that was basically that moment of him laughing at her. Yeah, we see all these moments where they, like, actually get engaged as well. So, like, kind of towards the end, they actually are, like, starting to want to be together. And they actually admit their feelings for each other. And I I gotta say, like, those scenes in books are always my absolute favorite. Like, like, when the guy pours his heart out... It's such a a raw, like good writers that do it are like so great at those scenes because like it's so raw and open and you just see the guy lay himself bare and it's just like, this is me and I love you and I want you forever. And I've wanted you since this moment. I've 
admired you. I've seen you and you've seen me. And it's just like a beautiful, like, you know, we, we know what the monologue sounds like, but you start seeing how little things that they did along the book add up. And the girl is always taken aback because she doesn't know how to deal with her. She doesn't want to. But I love that trope of him, of the guy releasing his feelings and her trying to deny it, but him not letting her. And I loved that they did this. Yeah. So good. After they admit their feelings, of course, is when uh, attempt, an assassination attempt happens where they are at dinner or no, at the ball, at the ball that she has, they're toasting and he drinks poison wait, wait wait um are we skipping the fact that they they did the deed yeah they did the deed it's not the whole thing in the book it's not even it wasn't even like a it was spicy, but it's it's important yeah because you touch they touched yeah, yeah so, i mean you gotta touch with it <laughs> yeah they they finally touched when they admitted their feelings and stuff they finally touched and did the deed um, and so after doing the deed now, whenever she's near, he's solid. He cannot phase, he cannot nothing. And um was the assassination attempt after or before that scene? I think it was after because Yeah, I think it was after, so we kind of skipped ahead. We're, basically... No, the 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 fade to black scene was before the the ball. Oh, okay, it was. Yeah, because at the ball they dance. Like in the yeah, they they, they, they dance and they have they start a, walking around oh, together. We're, we're skipping a very vital part. <laughs> it's been a while since I've read this book. So I'm sorry for those of you guys listening. It's been a while. I'm forgetting a couple things slipping through the cracks. Um Leandros throughout the entire book has been flirting with Alessandra, mm-hmm. has even kissed her a couple times and she has admitted to him that she has wanted him and how he said like break off your engagement just marry me i mean i'm 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 not a king but i can still give you more than what he's giving you right now and he tries to play on the fact that Callias wasn't really courting her at the time but then when she starts protecting Callias more he kind of backs off a little bit and you don't really see him around too much. But it's always kind of like, you 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 know what's going on here. So what are you doing? And so at the ball, they're making the toast and go ahead, Maggie, from there. Um. So at the ball, they're making the toast and she sees one of the girls from the prostitute, the gentleman's, like the prostitute house. And she notices her because then she realizes that's the girl who bumped into Callias and touched him. But and- she didn't. They didn't think that she touched him. Yeah, they didn't realize that he had, they thought it, he didn't actually get touched, but then now she's realizing that he did and he takes a drink, he takes a sip of his drink and she's like, no, but he's already taking it and he's already going down. And you see 
all every everything that happens like you see all the guards like as the king falls down and stuff you see all the guards like block everybody off because everybody's going to like help the king like to touch him and she's like no 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 nobody touch him like nobody can touch him and you see the moment when all the guards listen to her like even the guards are like she's not the queen yet but they listen to her and they're letting nobody not even the council come in to touch him and in doing so she realizes like his friends are there um Oren and Petros are there they're not touching him but they're there in the circle of the guards because she let them in and that's when they listen to her and she still sees the girls and she's realizing that the girl is making him vulnerable so she chases the girl away like she actually runs away from the girl and to get herself away so that because if she puts distance if he can get his shadows it can heal him and Hold so on. I really think we're out of order here are we did they do it before or after? I don't think they did it. I think they did it after. I think you were, that's why I was like, I'm pretty sure they did it after. Because that's when I think they admitted their feelings. Oh, no, no, they had already touched because she chases the girl out too. And then even she- She's trying to get away from him. Yeah, so then she chases the girl- Okay, so away. I was right. I was going, I was saying, she, she was getting herself away from him. While yeah, also you're, right, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. And yeah. so it's like a certain distance and she tackles the girl to the ground. Like she's holding on to her, like who sent you? And the girl is like crying, like all of this. And so he's, as she's like taking the girl away, he's healing and stuff. And we see Leandros. Yeah, Leandros come and watch the girl as like, she goes back to the king to make sure he's all right and everything. And that happens. Um, and like, he's sick and in bed or whatever. And oh, I thought like, he get. I thought he got healed. Yeah, but like he's in his room. Yeah, and she's like worried about him and like wondering, and like, you know, you know, and they're okay. And then they're, they're trying to figure out what it was. It was poison, and then things start being uncovered. And if you remember, we kind of mentioned about the poison that she hid in her closet is suddenly uncovered and Callias just gets angry. So heartbroken. He's angry, but I think most of all, he's heartbroken that the one person that he trusted out of everybody in the court was Alessandra. Yeah. And she had the poison i think it also is the same poison that would that killed him it is um and so he he doesn't kill her he no banishes her from the castle and i gotta say like that was like perfect punishment because it's just like he knows that she or he thinks she doesn't care for him but she really does and he cannot bring himself to kill her even though it is treason and he he knows her enough that death doesn't scare her. Mm-hmm. Death doesn't scare her. Being, having no notoriety, being in shame, being away from everything she's gotten, that is the worst pain for her. And he he knows that. And he also can't, he can't bring himself to kill her. And so he ends up sending her away. And on her trip away, um, she is starting to think um let me find out because she's like 
like okay so he sends her away and he gives her till the like the end of the day to leave and so she runs back to her room and she runs into his room because she's i think he leaves and she's trying to like find him so that she can talk to him and she ends up like bawling on the floor of his room and guess who walks in leandros and he's like comforting her and he and he like says like i'll go away with you yeah and they like kiss and stuff on the floor um because she's like he's my last resort kind of thing where um they and then he said something he says something that tips her like rubs her the wrong way yeah let me find it um like he's like just go and then soon you'll be back or yeah. something like that like and she's just like what does that mean and it's very like she doesn't want Leandros. she wants Callias. and even as he's kissing her and holding her she knows it's not the same and she double guesses her scheming to rise up her power for in that moment like it's not even worth it and then he says that one thing and then she gets up i think and she starts going to go pack her things yeah i'm trying to find it um she's in her room getting her stuff together though and something clicks so she's no she's not in her room she's gone and it's as she's like in the carriage leaving is when she starts to think about it and she says because he packed up her stuff Callias. yeah he had everybody like pack up her stuff um in the so carriage then, ride and she starts so, thinking about it. yeah i'll read it it's on page 311 it says as i sit there i remember lady zervas instant insistent that she well okay so they think that they also think that lord um vasco which is um leandros's dad was in on it um and then lady vervas zervas which is the callias the old king's mistress king's mistress yeah and so they put them in jail and the mistress was like you have the wrong person like i'm not a part of this and vasco is guilty the lord vasco is guilty but she says as i sit there i remember ladies are zervas's insistent that she was innocent that she'll be free when the killer shows themselves vasco is guilty of that i'm certain but he could have roped his nephew into helping him no leandros would never why would he he was Callias's friend. He came to court after the death of Callias's brother. Why would Leandros have any motive to harm the king? But then I remember how he, he insisted that I would be back in the palace soon and by his side. Still, why would he want to harm Callias? I stare down at the spot on my hand. He came to court after the death of Callias's brother. When Callias and I went to the gentleman's club in disguise, I had noticed how Callias looked so much like Leandros with the, with the lighter hair. What would Leandros have to gain from harming Callias unless devils? And like right before this, she noticed that she had hair dye on her hand from like when she kissed Leandros, like hair dye had stuck on her hand. And this is what caused her to start thinking about it. And it basically um, comes out. Yeah. That, that Leandros yeah. is 
Calais's brother. Who yeah, she goes not- to him and she re- like she goes back to the castle. She finds Calais with Leandros in her old rooms, and she's like, like he was gonna kill her in there. And she ex- she reveals everything. Then, and it just it was like I didn't expect it. I did not expect it. Okay, so like this is like the last twenty pages of the book. It's happening so fast. Yeah. All of this is happening so fast to the point where I was reading the book and because I like, you know, you look towards the end of the book and you're like, oh, I got this much left. When I looked at how much I had left, I'm like, this has to have another book because there's no way that this is going to get wrapped up in this amount of time. And then everything just spills out so fast. And then Callias is just like angry at her, but then also angry at Leandros and he's just like no it can't be and then like Leandros like fesses up and he's yeah. just like, oh I I was hidden away because his father yeah had to kill him that's why he his father wanted that. to kill him because um he wasn't legitimate I think I no I think it's because like the shadows chose the next heir and it usually was that the next, like the heir would be the first in line to get the shadows, but it wasn't, it was Callias that had the shadows. And so his dad killed, um, oops, sorry, my, I don't have my, um, oh no. Uh, yeah, but have... he, he definitely, um, well, he, he his father was gonna kill him and then he's just like a hit away and then um our uncle ended up helping me and then he you know does the villain talk of releasing all of his plans and things and then attacks Callias and because he was his brother he he ends up touching him too and then because she's there he's solid and can't use his powers and she reveals how she left him there and that he was tending to him when he was down, when he was poisoned, left her with the, the maid when she went back to Callias. So he was able to get rid of all the evidence of the, the maid and all of these things. And they end up fighting it out. And it's kind of, I don't know how to describe the fight between them. Yeah. Um, he, he, like, he tries to attack her, but she uses her, like, she uses a sword, and basically, like, in their alter, in in their, like, altercation, she kills him. Second man she's ever killed is, um, him. Yeah, Elias, and Elias sees, because she ends up jumping into the fight, and then she ends up being the one to kill him, Mm -hmm. because he was gonna kill Elias, and doing that, she saved his life, yes. But then after that, she just leaves. She leaves. She's like, she leaves and goes back to, she goes, as she's leaving, she goes to Rhoda's estate um, because Rhoda's a widow, but Rhoda has land and stuff. And she goes to stay there. And um, her sister, like, sends her a letter while she's there. And it's like a, and <laughs> literally one of my favorite lines is like, she's after she read her sister's letter she goes i'm not a trollop 
I am a sexually empowered woman and there's nothing wrong with that. I think that's like also a thing is like she's very sexually empowering in this book and it's very in a subtle way. It's it's the fact that she has more, and it's a normalization of women having more than one partner. Not at the same like kudos to you if you can do it at the same time but like multiple like relationships. I know there's like a thruple. I'm in a thruple. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. I'm just. My roommate is dating somebody, and I'm dating them now as a couple. I'm dating that couple, but you um, you, you get. They basically are are your parents. They basically are my parents. Yeah, basically. But I'm also like Carly's mother as well, so it's weird. But your dynamic. Yeah, but yes. Also- yes. Back to the story. Um, she does have multiple partners and it's no longer a, a, a hidden secret. It's just a thing. And yeah. I gotta say, like at this point, I was just so mad that Callias would just let her go. Yeah. And so we see as she's reading her sister's letter, somebody comes to knock at the door and you're like, oh, who's there? And she's like, I really don't want to be talked to right now. Cause she's like, she's sad that like she had to leave Callias behind because she left before he even like said anything to her she left because she was banished and lo and behold Clias is there and I'm just like oh <gasps> I'm like yes he yeah. comes back and he's like uh I, let me find what he says but it was just like so <sighs> it just made you kind of like kudos to you so he like this is one of the things he's he's always been feared of dying this whole book and she's always like she's always saying like like most kings are mortal like mm-hmm. other places have kings that are mortal what makes you so special that you think you could you could outlive that and like when is your human when are you going to lose your humanity there's a lot of talk of like how long do you live before you actually start to lose your humanity because like they had a king for like 700 years because of his power yeah. he can live yeah for- forever um but um that has to do with like him being to phase and if he has somebody who he touches he becomes mortal in his physical form when he's solid he ages normally when he's like a phantom um able to phase through anything he is immortal essentially and the old king he died because he ended up falling in love and settling down and having kids. And then he died. Mm-hmm. He lived mortally and he died mortally. And Callias had always planned never to have someone to just live forever. And that was his thing. That was his plan. And like we see at the very end, like they reconnect. He's, he forgives her. He believes her that she ended her plan to kill him like she knows that she ended she started wanting to kill him and i think that kind of like he liked that i think he definitely was like oh oh but um he is definitely someone who would appreciate the knife against the throat trope yeah because he likes that danger he likes that um that she's willing to go after him he liked that about her um one honorable mention for this book is the letter scene where he finds the letter that lord elias wrote to her it's like a love letter that he sent away and he's reading it to he's he found it in her room and he's reading it 
and uh, he, it's like that scene where like the, around he reads it out loud yeah he reads it out loud and is laughing at it because it's so fu- he finds it hilarious that the guy can't write a love letter and he like reads it aloud and she's like embarrassed yeah and this is before like they, this is like them becoming friends like nothing has happened between them this is still early on in the book and then she just cannot deal with him writing this and then he says something so smooth that literally just made me go like oh and also she was also though like this is like the first love letter that anybody's written to me yeah and, and she he, says and he was kind of like that's embarrassing it's <laughs> like this is not a love letter um but he all so like I think that was an honorable mention for no but say what he says right after that he says like I have to find it I don't remember where oh, no you have to look for it I have to look for it okay, let's talk and I'll look for it he says something so smooth and so like you know because he's he's friends with her at this point he's not he can make fun of her and they can joke about it and all these things but he has not shown romantic interest in her and when this happens, this is still in the midst of like um, Elita's like still chasing after her and wanting her and she is evading him enough but she likes this. She likes being doted on. She likes being chased after and Callias isn't really doing it too much besides their friendship. So the fact that this letter was her first love letter and the fact that he was making fun of it was just like mortifying to her but he says this one thing when he walks out and Maggie I hope you can find it because it's like it's literally one of my favorite quotes if I had my book I'd probably have it marked um let me see if I can find it we're gonna take a quick pause here guys and forgive us for this podcast being like all over the place because it's been a while since I read this book okay um it was before she became she came into the queen's rooms right it's before she started living in there right mm-hmm. yes. um, is it after oh. no that's not what it is I was going to say it's this, um, tell me, you don't need to read a letter, just tell me. Oh, that was at the end. Um, that was at the end, I know. Yeah, or yeah, that was at the end when like he, he like brought a letter for her to it's read. the point that, we, that we're trying to get to, but it's important why this one quote, my goodness. Oh, and her her sister's name are, is Chrysantha. And I was just like, so, yeah, about her name. My goodness, can we find this thing? It's so, it's really irritating me that we can't find this. You know what? I'm going I'm, to I'm just skim over what I think it was. It was basically, he's just like, if you want a love letter, then I will write you one that you were that is deserving of you or something like that. But it's basically him saying like, if you want me to write you love letters, I can do much better than this. 
because this is nothing. Gosh, why can I not find this quote? If you're listening and you find this quote, please message it to me because it is absolutely like the, one of my favorite things. How can we I not- can't find it? I'm so sorry. We'll have to like in the next episode, we'll talk, we'll do a, a, a quick recap at the beginning. But I think this is where we have to end this episode because it is 10 12 p.m. for me. Um, Grace, do you have any honorable mentions besides that scene? No, uh, that's the one, that's the uh, only one, but like the way he, the reason why that letter scene is important is because towards the end, he does bring a love letter to her, and she's just like, You don't need a letter, just, t- just tell me what it is. And he's like, I want you. And he basically tells her, like, I want you, I, I love you, you're despicable, you're conniving, but you're wonderful and you're beautiful, and I love the mind that you have and I want you to be my queen and I want you to be my queen and my friend and they kiss and live happily ever after mortal lives that they do and the fact that this book had so much action towards the end but so much scheming and plotting throughout the book was utterly amazing it kept me on my toes this book could have been longer I would have appreciated it being longer because by the time I realized I was almost done with the book I was not ready for it to end I really liked everything about it the world building the fashion the food his little stolen glances his brushes of his glove against her skin those moments just made your heart flutter and their minds are just beautiful. And it was honestly such a great read. I am going to be reading the other two books in um, The Daughter of the Pirate King. Yeah, it's The Daughter of a Pirate King and then The Daughter of a Siren Queen. I have The Daughter of a Pirate King. I The amount of book series that I have that I need to read, I need to read The Daughter of Smoke and Bone. I need to read The Scythe. I need to read um the Graceling series and these are books that I have the whole series of too so thankfully I have the whole series that I can just I think over the summer I'm gonna like binge read a bunch of series that's what I think I'm gonna try to do because that's what I did January is I just binge 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 read a bunch of series so um yeah I think and then we're this is not this was probably not a great example of like how we're gonna do a book podcast because we're all over the place with this. We're just, we're trying to find out what fits best for us. Um, How would you guys want it? Would you guys want to go scene by scene or major plot points, Mm -hmm. um, quotes that we liked? Let us know what you guys like. Um, We'll we'll do an Instagram post for you guys to leave suggestions on how we do these. Um, We will be doing um, our next book podcast. We'll probably be... It's going to be next Friday. It's next Friday. It's going to be We Hunt the Flame is the next one. Um, Already? Yeah. I mean, you'll have a week to read it because you're done with A Court of Silver Flames. That's true. Um, I don't have it with me, though. Well, are you going home this week? If you guys didn't know, I'm not in my usual room. It's because I am at my new place. Um. We are remodeling it. If you see paint on my shirts, for those YouTube listeners, I have been painting for the past week. 
um we've been doing flooring and all of these things and um, my books are not with me in fact I only have two books with me both of which I have read already um so maybe I can get my my dad to come up here I'm not gonna go home soon my bookish box is at home too so many things are at home um but yeah how many clothes did you bring with you um to be honest I only brought like four days worth of clothes and then went to like walmart and bought like a whole bunch of sweats and t-shirts and painting clothes it's so (laughs) we're gonna end it right here and then grace and i are probably gonna talk a little bit more because we always do um so real quick um we are going to be doing an aquasif um two-part um series about talking about the book we will do half of the book on one episode and the second half in another episode we will be doing that after march 16th so a full month for the book release, um, giving people enough time to have read it. But we do want to update you guys that we are going to be doing that. So if you do want to listen to that episode, make sure that you have read Akosif. Um, a month and, has gone by. Yeah. It'll be full spoilers. I'm also going to have a, I'm going to do a Instagram um, questions Q&A. And it's going to be, what do you want us to talk about for the episode? Like, and it can be negatives. You can talk about certain negativities of this book and criticism of Sarah J Moss. We're going to have a two-part episode. So it's going to be a special thing where we're going to upload twice, not in one day. We're going to upload the first half on Wednesday and then the second half on Friday. And the second half will have special guests. I'm not going to reveal who it is now. Um, if they decide to come on, we'll, uh, we'll definitely have them feature on. But we want to thank you guys so much for listening, so much for your support as well. And we'll see you later. Bye. Bye.